Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Taibo Akinlami, the preacher. It is your program, Power Parenting Weekly. I'm glad to announce to you that this is our first episode in season two. By the grace of God, we completed season one last week, and this is our first episode in season two. The uniqueness of this episode is that it is a continuation of the last two conversations that we had in season one. So I want to enjoy you, if you are just joining us in, joining us in season two, to endeavor to visit our second to the last and the last episodes for you to have a clear understanding of what we are discussing today, which is communication to commune. And it is important to note also that in our first season, we dealt with a whole lot of conversations that you also need to visit. 13 episodes of discussing child sexuality education, of discussing uh, what it means for children. To, we asked the question, is it possible for a child to be beyond parental control? We discussed a whole lot of issues there about sexuality of our children, about, a, about the four-dimensional responsibilities of parenting. We discussed all of that. I think it's a season you need to visit. It will bless you. It will help you in no small way. Having said that, moving forward, we need to conclude on this conversation, which is commune. Commune. Now, to commune means to converse or talk together. It means there is a connection. There is a relationship. Usually with profound intensity. It means there is intensity. It means there is intensity. It is deep. Intimacy. Intensity. It is intense. It is real. Then it is intimate. It means interchange of thoughts, to exchange thoughts. It means to exchange feelings. We do not only stop at thoughts, we also evoke or respect the other person's feelings. That is communication. To commune means to go deeper than just communicating. To go deeper, to understand what the person is going through. The book that I read says it is the deep that calls to the deep. Until you are deep, you cannot call to the deep. And that is why I love words like intimacy. I love words like intensity. I, want, I love words like interchange of thoughts and feelings. I love words like converse together. That is to commune. It means fellowship. It means spending time, not only spending time, it means spending quality time. It does not only mean, spend, mean spending quality time, it means for us to mentor our children. What do we need to do to mentor? To apply the wisdom that God created to govern the affairs of this universe. To apply those wisdom in relating with our children, in raising them, in leading them by example. That is to commune. To commune is to spend time to pour of our value, to pour of ourselves into our children. By first by examples 
or and by the things we communicate to them. That is to commune. The things we talk to them about. This is a powerful concept. It's a concept that is missing in the family circle today. It's a concept that has been relegated to the background for different reasons. This is not the time to judge. This is not the time to criticize any of us for the way we have done things so far. Now, to criticize does not change anything. I am not a critic. I am a helper. I'm here to lead a conversation that can help us to do things better. But you see, to commune, many of us, we communicate with our children, but we never commune. There's no intimacy. There's no intensity. There is no interchange of thoughts and feelings. There is no fellowship. That deep thing going on that show, show our children that we do not only care, we, we do not only care about us, we care about them. Someone said, children don't care much you know until they know how much you care. It is true co communication that we show our children how much we care. There's a weakness every child has. Let me tell you that weakness. That weakness is a child does, excuse me, that weakness is a child does not like to let down a believer. A child does not let down a believer. That is a weakness a child has. I call it a weakness, though it is not a weakness. It is something that you can use to bait your children. You are baiting them. You know, the book that I read says, A crafty man that I am, I took you in by deceit. When you understand who children are, when you understand how they think, it is easy for you to use your wisdom to bait them. How do you bait them? You bait them by showing, not by acting, by showing the real sense of it not by acting that you care how do you show that you care is through communication to have talk conversation that are intense that are intimate that are interchange of ideas interchange of thoughts it means it's not a one-way conversation it means it's a conversation that is you give the child receives the child gives you receive that is what we mean by commune. That is missing today. What do we have? We have authoritarian or totalitarian parents who dish out instructions. It does not matter. Our conversation centers around obey before complain. Obey before complain. And we talk about obey before complain. That happens in the military barracks. I'm not sure the children we want to raise are children that cannot talk. Are children that just obey before they explain? No. In the military, that is so. In this raising children, that is not so. Except the life of the child is endangered. You are trying to remove the child from a speeding coming vehicle. And the things that you are talking about is a matter of death, life and death. Then you can say obey before complain. But if it is, if it is not that, the child must be made to understand that he or she can have a conversation. He or she must be made to understand that he, his or opinion can be respected. He or she must be made to understand that he can have, he or she can have his 
say or say do him in all this or away. And the only reason why your she's not going to have his away is because you have a better reasoning to submit, to supply. Not because you are the father or you are the mother. We have to get rid of that entitlement mentality that makes us to rule right rough short on the rights of our children and write them and deal with them as if they are non-entities. Children are entities. They are existing. They came as full package. They are not non-entities. They are entities. So that is why it is important for us to understand that and raise them properly and commune with them and spend time to have conversation with them. I told you in the first week that my father died at the age of 82. I was 39 years old. We never had a conversation. He never instructed me on any issue of life. And of course, what happened? You know, he lost me to independence. And so I'm going to wrap up this conversation today by showing you six principles that will help you to commune with your children. Six fundamental principles that are going to help you to commune with children. Number one is that embrace healthy conversation. Your conversation must be healthy. Don't put the child down. Let your conversation be healthy. Number two, your conversation must be helpful. Is it, why does this conversation help the child? The conversation must not put down the child. The conversation must not reduce the child. The conversation must be helpful. Number three, the conversation must be helpful. Number two, and it must be supportive. To be helpful means you are supporting the child to start doing something or to stop doing something. And if you are supporting the child to start doing something, you are not only going to support him to start doing you will show him how to start doing that thing you want the child to begin to do. And if you want to support the child to stop doing something, you will prefer, you will present to the child an alternative of what the child needs to begin to do. That's how this thing works. That is to be helpful and to be supportive. Number, th number three, your conversation that aids commune to commune must be empathetic. You must put yourself in the shoes of the children. You must put yourself in their shoes. You must understand that things are different now. If you want to understand what it means to put yourselves in the shoes of the children, please listen to the last edition. That's season 1, episode 13. Listen, you will see how I explain how we can humble ourselves and put ourselves in the shoes of our children. We need to be empathetic. We need to understand that it's more difficult to be a young person today than it was when we were growing up as, as their parents. You need to be empathetic. Number five, you need to be inspirational. You need to be inspirational. What does it mean to keep inspiration alive? It is to get someone to do something that the person will not ordinarily do or may not want to do by himself or for himself without the person knowing that you are the one orchestrating it for his own good, for her own good. That is to inspire. To inspire is to lead someone in his soul, in our soul, in his spirit, in his soul, to want to do what is right for himself and for herself and for others. 
without the person actually knowing that he or she is being pushed, is being orchestrated to do that which he or she is doing. That is inspiration. It is to express faith in the capacity of a person to do the right thing for himself or herself or for other people. When you express faith, when you express commitment, what happens is that the person begins to believe in himself or herself and begins to move. But you that you are expressing faith, that you are expressing inspiration, that you are expressing faith in the person, you are already inspiring the person. The person does not know that by your expression of your faith, by your affirmation, by saying, I know you can do it, by affirming what is right, doing as if you don't see what is wrong, but affirming what is right. It's called appreciative inquiry. To focus on what is right, to speak more of what is right. What if what the child is doing wrong is more than what the child is doing right? But yes, it's possible. But what are you doing? You are focusing on what is right. What the child is doing is 60% wrong, 40% right. By the standard, universal standard of how God has created this world to function, the child is wrong 60%. And, you, and, and is, the child is only right 40%. But you focus on that 40%. You begin to enlarge that 40%. You begin to focus attention on that 40%. You begin to affirm the child for that 40%. You spend 90 minutes affirming the 40%. You spend 10 minutes controlling the child on the, on the, on the 60% that the child is not doing wrong. Very soon, the child is going to swing it. What is going to happen is that what used to be 60% of wrong will become 60% of right. Note, I'm not talking about confirming the child to your ways. I'm talking about conforming the child to universal principles of how God has orchestrated, designed this life to work. Affirmation works. Now, when you look at the story of creation, God did not speak what he saw. He saw chaos. He spoke light. And the other creation is this. God said, God saw. What God saw was contrary to what God said. And what happens is that God did not speak what he saw. He spoke what he wanted to see. And what happened now is that as he spoke what he wanted to see, what he saw changed to what he wanted to see. If he has spoken what he saw, what he saw will have multiplied. What he saw will have festered. What he saw will have magnified. That negative things that he saw, that darkness that he saw, that light that was without form that he saw would have magnified, would have increased because he, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And those who love it will eat of it thereof. So what did he do? What did God do? God did not speak what he saw. God spoke what he wanted to see because he understood the principle. He caused those things that be not as if they were. Am I not now pampering my son? Am I not pampering my daughter? Am I not spoiling them? No! You are having a conversation that is inspirational. Nobody moves until they are inspired. What you need to do 
is to supply a high dose of inspiration regularly and before you know it, your child will be on auto. Before you know it, those words that you have spoken, those words of affirmation, those words of inspiration, they will continue to follow him. They will continue to follow her. And those words will be written in his mind. They will form his value. They will form a value. They will form a, 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 a core value. They will form a commitment. They will form the things that she does. They will form that the thing he does not do. You know, I was teaching children, uh, young people in the teenage class in my church, the founding of that church, where I taught in the teenage class. And I taught a couple of children and I, I did my beat and I left. Many years, many years after, one of them who had today become a medical doctor who lives in Canada wrote to me and said, those things that you spoke to us about, they kept me. Those conversations you had with us on our persons, on our value system, on our dignity of human person, they stayed with me. They kept me through college. And this morning I woke up, you came to my mind and I was looking for how to reach you. And I remember that the last time I came to Nigeria, I saw you in church and you gave me your card. And that is why I'm reaching you now to let you know that those seeds that you sowed, they germinated. Those seeds that you sowed have made me the woman I am today. And that was very touching for me. And that is the reward we get for the work that we do. This kind of difference that we make in the lives of young people makes a lot of difference for us. That is it for me. Lastly, we must embrace courtesy in talking to young people. Nobody wants to be intimate with those who shame them, who name and shame them. People say children don't want to be close to disciplinarians. I said no. Children want to be close to disciplinarians. Disciplinarians are people who lead by example. Disciplinarians are people who are empathetic. Disciplinarians are people who have conversations that are helpful, that are empathetic, that are healthy, that are, that are supportive, that are inspirational. That is a disciplinarian. Children want to be around such people. The kind of people children don't want to be around are those who name and shame. Those who disgrace children in public. Those who yell at them, shout at them, make life miserable and uncomfortable for them in the name of claiming to be disciplined them. Those are the people children don't want to be around. Because research has shown that children begin to feel shame from a three. From a three, they begin to feel shame. They begin to feel shame. So you are shouting on a 13, on a 14 and all of that. So naming and shaming is something that children cannot live with. You see, do you know what it means to care for children? It is to anticipate the needs of children, to anticipate the threats to them, to make adequate preparation, to meet those needs and mitigate those threats well before they arise. That is what it means to care. To anticipate the needs, to anticipate the threats. When you anticipate the needs, when you anticipate the threats, you are never shocked. The reason why we insult children the reason why we look down on them, the reason why we mess them up, the reason why we name and shame them in the name of discipline is because as adults, we do not do enough work in caring. What does it mean to care? 
Anticipate the needs of children. Anticipate the threats of, to them. Make adequate preparation to meet those needs and mitigate those threats well before they arise. The challenge is that because we did not anticipate the needs, because we did not anticipate the threats, things now happen. When things now happen, contrary to our expectations that we never prepared the children for, that we never communicated with the children, we now hold the children responsible. We hold them responsible for teenage pregnancy. We hold them responsible for sex, with premature sex. We hold them responsible for stealing. We hold them responsible for being, not being responsible. We hold them responsible for a whole lot of things. Forgetting that the reason why we hold them responsible is because we did not do our own part. We did not do our own bidding. What is our bidding? It is to anticipate the needs of children, to anticipate the threats to them, to make adequate preparation, to meet those needs and mitigate those threats well before they arise. That is the meaning of care and you cannot care without being courteous to children. You cannot care without showing courtesy. As I said before, children don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So if you're going to care for children, you begin your care with courtesy. Care cannot happen without courtesy. Communication, communicating with children, communing with them cannot happen without courtesy. When we talk about intimacy, when we talk about intensity, when we talk about interchange of thought, all of that speak to mutual respect. It speaks to dignity. It speaks to honor. It speaks to us respecting the fact that children are, are also, also deserve respect. That children are also full-fledged human beings. That children are equal to adults. And adults and children are equal playing different roles. You are a father, you are not superior. You are a mother, you are not superior. You are, a you, are a, you are a teacher, you are not superior. You are a nanny, you are not superior. The child is not inferior by virtue of the fact that the child is a child. The child is equal, is equal to every human being from the time the child is conceived in the womb. So let me repeat these six principles that will guide our conversation our communication that will aid us to communicate, to have talk that are intense, that are intimate, that are thoughtful, that invoke interchange of ideas, interchange of feelings. We talk to a point we cry on each other's shoulders. We weep, we cry, tears of joy, sometimes tears of pain. Mom, you really hurt me. Doctor, you hurt me. Son, you hurt me. Doctor, you hurt me. Son, you hurt me. And we cry and we hold yourself. Daddy and mommy will hold themselves, they will hold the child, and three of them will be crying. It is tears of joy. It is tears of repairs. It is tears of change. And we are going to rise from that tear stronger, better, to become all that God has created us to be, both as parents and as, as children. So, we must have conversation. If it's going to lead to communication, it must be healthy. It must not only be healthy, it must be helpful and supportive. It must only be supportive and healthy and helpful. It must be empathetic. It must not only be empathetic, it must be inspirational. It must not only be inspirational, it must be courteous. There must be courtesy involved. 
Not that what we are trying to establish with our children is an intimacy. What we are trying to establish with them is an intensity. What we are trying to establish with them is interchange of thoughts and feelings. When we get down to everything that is inside of us, that is the only way we can strike up a lifetime relationship with our children. Any other shortcut will not work. Rules and regulations will not work. Sit down, stand up, jump down, raise up your hand. It's not going to work. What works is relationship. Ah, and what is the blood of relationship? It is to commune. It is to fellowship. And it is that intensity. It is recognizing that children are equal to us. And they can speak their mind. And they can speak up. And they will not be judged for speaking up. They will not be judged for expressing their that difference. That's my conversation with you tonight. I've come to the end of the last episode on the conversation on commune to commune. It is the first episode in our second season, but the last episode of the conversation we started on communication. The last two conversations in the last season covered the first part or the first two parts of this conversation please make it a part of duty to follow us on twitter on instagram on linkedin on um, facebook the name is taiwa kinami uh we have four volumes of book save for me volume one volume two volume three volume four they help you to have this kind of conversations we have talked about with your children not only that uh, you make it a point of duty to also subscribe to our comics. We have eight editions now. They are online. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them on, on, on Sellers. You can get them on uh, Okada Books. They are, called, they are called Save You Family Comic Series. You need to pick that up. We have a book called Show Up, Stand Out and Show Off. It's a book that is helping young people to make a difference. To show up to make to show up for their difference to stand out for their uniqueness and to show off good value system you need to pick up those materials thank you very much very soon and very soon i think this month uh power parenting academy is going to kick off be on the lookout uh, we are going to involve you you need to be part of it thank you so much for joining me today it is season two episode one of our conversation I look forward to be with you again next week. Power Parenting Weekly, it has come to stay. Remember, when it comes to raising children in the 21st century, it's a four-dimensional responsibility. Learn how to operate within those four dimensions. Lastly, when it comes to being a power parent, you must recognize that enlightenment is superior to enforcement. See you next week. God's name. God bless you. Bye. Like and share this video on Taiwo Okinlami Academy Facebook group and Taiwo Okinlami YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel and put on the notification bell for broadcast alerts. Do have an inspired day.